Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back into the Illini Inquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner with Joey Wagner of Illini Inquirer, and we have so much to chat about today. Feels like uh, so much has happened since the last time I've had Joey here on the podcast, and that includes Kofi Coburn coming back, uh, Big Ten Media Days, of course, the tragedy that uh, Joey kind of had to be in the state where it all happened. So we'll ask him about that story as well of, of Bobby Roundtree, uh, but also the the college football landscape changing before our eyes, kind of surprisingly, at least to everybody but Texas and Oklahoma here. So, uh, Joey Wagner, let's go, man. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, man, it's been a it's been a crazy couple of weeks, and just getting started. It's fun, it's fun, fun to do this again. Yeah, and we got training camp right around the corner. We're a week away from training camp, and we've started all our position primers for that. So we'll dive more into training camp and, and maybe preview that in a later podcast. But what, what do you think, Joey, of uh, this realignment? Let's let's big picture here. Uh, this is this seismic changes for for college football when Texas and Oklahoma, the two premier programs of the Big Twelve. Are deciding to leave, and they, and they basically made that official today by saying they're going to leave after their their contract, and they're not going to re up with the Big Twelve at the end of 2025. I think they'll be gone before that. I think they'll buy it out, and the Big Twelve is going to be in scramble mode. What do they look like? Is there a Big Twelve after this? But but my mind immediately goes to the Big Ten, right? Like locally, because the SEC is the best football conference. Now, maybe there's a year where, where the Big Ten might have more top 10 teams of Penn State and Michigan or you know Iowa or, or Wisconsin are all there, but it's clear the SEC is the one winning more championships. Alabama is a part of the SEC, and that's such a big part of it. Uh, Georgia, Texas A&M have been ridiculous here lately as well. So they have a, almost a super conference, and uh, I guess big picture is, don't let Ohio State and Michigan leave because that or Penn State or whoever that is. But I don't think the Big Ten wants to expand, Joey, but I think they're going to need to. I think you have to strengthen yourself uh, through all of this. And even though I, I'm exhausted by realignment still from like a, a decade ago, right? Uh, I don't think it's great for fans. I don't think it's great for rivalries and all that. It doesn't matter. It's all about money. And if the Big Ten still wants to be right up there with the SEC and, and bring in money, uh, they're going to have to to add here and, and make sure that they remain stride for stride with the SEC. Yeah, and then so the big question is, what does that look like? For me, I thought, for, for a reason I'm now, as I continue to read more coverage, I kept thinking, like, locally, what makes 
sense in this Midwest footprint. And I think a lot of us speculated, you know, if the Big 12 goes up in flames and the fire is kind of starting right now, I think it was like, well, Iowa State, Kansas makes sense. And, and as I read more, I think, am I behind the times and thinking this has to be a local Midwest footprint edition? Obviously, the Pac-12 is kind of like the, you know, there's some programs out there in a conference that, you know, traditionally hasn't been one of the, the top end of the Big Five or the Power Five conferences. And would it make sense to get involved out west there or, or get into the ACC a little bit? I don't I don't know, but I've had to over the course. It's really broke more or less Thursday at media days here. And I, maybe I think it was Thursday. I don't know that it was Wednesday. And you kind of like, okay, reevaluate. And, and the answer is if you're going to expand – you're going to have to do it in a way that really, really makes, I mean, you can't just do it to do it. Like how much does financially does Iowa state and Kansas add to the big 10 conference? I don't know that it's a lot, but if you get out a little further and you make the geography work, I guess then there's some interesting options and it keeps you in that race with this monster that the sec is probably going to be. Yeah. Like I think we learned in what, 2012, 2014, whenever it was when they had a Rutgers in Maryland, it's, it's not about geography. It might actually it might actually be about geography because it's more about TV markets. It's about population size. And I don't know how big of a factor that is. I still think it's a factor, even though people are cutting the core, because there's still a lot of people, including myself, who have cable just because I think it's better to have cable now than spending on all these streaming services where it adds up to even more uh, than cable. But I, I like live sports, and I think cable is still the, the best way of doing that. So Maryland and Rutgers, while they're not great programs for football, they've added huge TV markets. And obviously the, the Big Ten's uh, money share has, has gone up since they've gone in, and, and they're now starting to get uh, their share of that. Nebraska was more the geographical sense, you know, historical, makes sense, good culture fit. Um, even though at, academically they don't fit the AAU thing anymore, they're the one non-AAU, which is, you know, top research institution. They're the one in the Big Ten that isn't. But the Big Ten reportedly, according to Adam uh, Rittenberg, who's got a great pulse on the Big Ten, uh, they would want to add another AAU program. So academics are very important to the Big Ten. Uh, chancellors and presidents and you still got a lot of great fits there uh potentially if even if you know your your list of options you're not going to take oklahoma state which could be uh you know athletically a pretty enticing option you're not going to add them right so big 12 kansas and iowa state both fit i think regionally they fit extremely well kansas and iowa state with the big 10 west if you move whether it's northwestern or illinois to the east you would have very good rivalries. You'd have really good rivalries with Iowa there, with Nebraska there. Um, you know, those programs generally aren't good for football, but um, I, I do think they make some sense. But some people might see that as settling, right? When the SEC adds Texas and Oklahoma, you add Kansas and Iowa State. And and this is a football conversation, right? This isn't about basketball. This is a football conversation. So even though Kansas is a blue blood in basketball, a good brand, football-wise, it's not adding a lot. I, I think Kevin Warren who I don't know if proactive would be a term we'd use for him, Joey, um, or I, I don't know if being a great communicator is a term we'd use for him. But the ACC and the Pac-12 are, are, are 
I'd shoot my shot for some of those programs. Like, I don't know if the ACC, those programs would feel compelled to leave. Uh, Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh. I think all those teams would be great fits academically and athletically for, for the Big Ten. Georgia Tech with that Atlanta market would make a lot of sense. Duke and North Carolina with that Charlotte market would make a lot of sense. But I, I don't see them leaving the ACC. That seems to be a good fit there. The Pac-12 might be more vulnerable than we think. Um, last year, the Big Ten programs, even in the pandemic, got $54 million payouts, right? The Pac-12 was 33, okay? Like, that's a big deal. So USC, UCLA, Oregon, those are big brands. And, and that would be that would be something huge for, for the Big Ten. I think Colorado can make the most sense uh, culturally, geography, getting to Denver, top 20 market. Nebraska and, and Colorado are longtime historical rivals. That can make a lot of sense, but I, I feel like I have to expand because I'm like, Kansas, Iowa State, to me, as a Midwest fan, makes sense. But this isn't about that. This is about financials, and a lot of those Pac-12 or ACC programs would make a lot more sense. Yeah, and in the same way, Jeremy, like we talked about this at length, uh, you know, when we were in Indianapolis, and, and we kept coming back to those two schools, Iowa State, Kansas. Like it felt like, okay, duh. But yeah, you got to expand. The Pac-12 makes so much sense, man. There's so many markets out there. Los Angeles, <laughs> let's just say it. That and they, they fit in that the academic area that the Big Ten's interested in. And now with the Pac-12, you know they have been kind of loyal to one another. Those yeah. schools in the Pac-12, would they do that? I don't know. I mean, money money matters a little more to me than loyalty, and and especially if you can keep. I don't want to say pace with the SEC, but you can keep within kind of an arm's length, I guess. And those schools out there certainly would be that. Now people are going to hear this and say, well, goodness, how, how does travel? That's the easy stuff, right? The, the travel, all the, the games, the schedule, are there pods in the Big Ten? We had kind of talked about that, that that could make sense. And that stuff is easy. I mean, it, it sounds like it's not, but it really is. You make that happen, no problem. But it, it's finding those right fits. And how big does Kevin Warren want to kind of shoot for the stars here? How much does he feel like he needs to? I mean, this is still a, a very lucrative conference, a very respected conference. It's the number two of the Power Five, right? I mean, the SEC is one. The Big Ten is two. I, I guess maybe someone could argue that. I don't I don't know. But how, how much do you want to push that envelope into the middle of the table and say, you're not running away from us. I mean, we're going we're gonna to be here. And, the Big Ten probably doesn't have to do that. I mean, financially, it's going to be there. But that 2023 TV rights deal, if you have, oh, I don't know, California in the mix, the state, the, the Los Angeles area, money goes up on that a little bit. And that really shoots this price upward. So I don't think it has to be done, but I think it kind of does, yeah. right? Yeah, the, the Pac-12 um... – you know, the Big 12, like think about those schools. Like Iowa State or Kansas, I think at this point, would run to the Big 10. So I think it'd be a matter of does Kevin Warren want to do that right away or does he hold out for, you know, like a Texas A&M, are they, excuse my language, pissed enough at, at the, at the uh, SEC to go get Texas and Oklahoma? They're like, we want to go somewhere else because you had Texas A&M, you're at Houston, right? You're possibly adding Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, like – those markets all put together, like Texas A&M would be a boon uh, for them. Uh, 
You know, Vanderbilt, I know athletically is not a big deal, but Nashville, it's a great academic institution, athlete, athletics outside of basketball and football, and they've been they've been pretty good. Uh, TCU doesn't fit the, the AAU mold, but like I'm, I'm thinking of those programs. Kansas State seems like they're in a really rough spot, but if you're the Pac-12, you got to go add some of these programs, right? So is that Texas Tech? Is that TCU? Is it Oklahoma State? Like, they have to go add because they're in a you know a, a tough spot right now. ACC, I think it's pretty clear that Notre Dame, if, if they get scared of four super conferences and them being left out of, of a potential playoff in the future, they would just stick with the ACC. West Virginia would add. So the ACC looks like it'd get a lot stronger if they had those two programs. I think for the Big Ten, you got to keep up with them too, right? Like the SEC is yeah. is one you got to keep up with, but the ACC as well. Uh, make sure you stay ahead of the Pac-12 here a little bit. But you know the, those teams in the Pac-12, like what do you or the the Big Twelve? I mean, you add some AAC pro- programs that could be good: Houston, UCF, Memphis, Cincinnati. But that conference is not a power five conference, right? Compared to the rest of these. So it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And this is, you know, Kevin Warren's had a tough start. Um, and now he's getting thrown into this too. Um, so Barry Alvarez was at as their football kind of guy, their czar over football. He's got to, he's got to play his cards right here. Cause I think he's going to be the one in all these conversations and Kevin Warren kind of signing off on this stuff. It's a big time for the Big Ten to make sure that they stay, you know, as strong as they have been. You know, you brought up a really good point, Jeremy. Here I am, like, going in like a garage sale to the Pac-12, right? But, like, it could go the other way. Yeah. And they could add. And and all of a sudden, that foothold that the Big Ten had on that second place in the Power Five uh, falls if the Pac-12 really starts plucking away some some angry or, you know, displeased programs. Uh, So – there's so many different ways this domino can fall, right? I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just think conventional thinking has got to go. Mm-hmm. It's just got to go, and, and by that, it's it's really geographical. I mean, the the things that matter, markets and academics. If you're the Big Ten, those are the two things you don't care about anything else. Yeah. You just don't. I mean, you travel, whatever. It's just, can, can I be honest with you? Personally, I was like, I hate this. I hate this that the Texas and Oklahoma are doing this. They're the Big Twelve, right? Like there's so such great Texas area rivalries around that. Uh, I know they were the Big Eight. You know, there's uh, conferences change and evolve and all of that. But like, man, them in the SEC, that just doesn't feel right. This it feels to me super leagueish, which all the fans banded against and got that that kicked out. It. And if they try and like, you know, there's rumors of them going after Ohio State, Michigan, like if they try that stuff, man, like that's terrible. That's terrible for the fans, in my opinion. And I I know the business side of it, but at some point it's about the fans too. And that's why I'd be rooting for like Kansas and and Colorado or, or Iowa State, because I think those are actually interesting, you know, fan bases interact. There's rivalries there. There's geographic cultural fits. Uh, but I, I just know, you know, talking about this, that's not going to be the number one thing. The number one thing is going to be who puts us in best position to make the most money and keep up with the SEC. Yeah, and it's really interesting all this is happening. Like, because the thing that the umbrella over some of this, and like you said, this is all football. Like anything else, if you get something good, like let's say Kansas comes to the Big Ten, that's just like the cherry on top, right, for basketball. Like, all right, there you go, Kansas. And, but this, the playoffs have expanded. Right. Like I understand if this was a four team thing and this was like not something 
then it's like, I'm going to the SEC. I'm going to give myself the best bet to be, you know, an at-large for a lack of better terms, you know, the second or third. But so as they expand this out, it's, it seemed all so perfect. It all fit perfectly, right? You take the Power Five champions that, and you do some at-large and everybody clapped and applauded and cheers and, and okay, great. Like this thing's figured out. Now Texas and Oklahoma are like, no. We, no, want 20, we want 20 more million dollars a year that we deserve, right? We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're sick of floating all these other programs, right? Yeah, essentially. And I guess money's money, man. I don't know. You can't blame them in that respect. Like, especially, you know, I'm sure the pandemic didn't help anyone's budgets, right? And and you have this this carrot out in front of you of 20 more million a year, whatever the case may be. Man, it's hard to look away from that. I get it. I, I get that part of it, but I'm kind of with you. It's, we're, we've spent 20 minutes talking about this. And I'm like, all right. Uh, this and the thing is, it's not going to get me better for a while i mean this these things don't happen very quickly right so like we're going to be talking about this for a while and, and people are going to roll their eyes and they're going to be fatigued because they're tired of hearing about it but that's just where it is and are there bigger questions in play here in power five athletics and the ncaa probably probably man this whole thing is is on its head right now and i don't know when it ends but this is this is crazy, man. This is really crazy. And some of those rivalries you love, they're not going away, but now you're going to be like, okay, this team, I don't, I haven't cared about this team for 30 years. I don't really want to start now. Right. Yeah. I didn't mention Missouri. Uh, I know a lot of fans will want me to mention Missouri as a possible fit. So that'd be good for Illinois, but I don't think you're adding a market. Um, you know, St. Louis and Kansas city, I think are already in the big 10, but even if they are, they're not quite as big as some of the other ones we're talking about. And I don't know if Missouri would leave the sec so quickly. They seem to be, I know they're struggling to compete a little bit, but, uh, I don't, I don't just don't see a lot of programs wanting to leave the sec, uh, at this point. All right, Joey, um, big 10 media days, this kind of overtook it. Right. Um, but I thought, one of the big topics we got to hit on before we get into Illinois specific is Kevin Warren. Um, I think he's a bright guy. I think he uh, was an interesting candidate for this job. I thought Jim Phillips should have been hired. I thought he made the most sense, had the best relationships. And Kevin Warren had a tough first year under, I hate using this word continually, but unprecedented, really tough circumstances, right? But he got up at that podium and I thought he had a horrible public performance. I think he was trying to speak to Big Ten higher-ups, the athletics and chancellors, and maybe sponsors, but that was his chance to speak to fans, and he gave us really nothing. He gave us nothing about how he feels outside of federal legislation for NIL, which I think we all agree with. Um, He just didn't really weigh in on anything, and I just thought – for a conference that needs leadership right now, I didn't think he provided a lot of it publicly. Now, maybe behind the scenes he's doing it, but a big part of these jobs is to portray um, leadership. And and he just didn't really lead, I thought, uh, from the podium uh, the other day. And we barely get to hear from him. And when we have, he just hasn't, you know, I don't think he's helped himself uh, or the conference. And we saw all the missteps along the way. And I didn't even think he owned that very well. Like he said, oh, I learned, but he didn't say he regretted anything or how he'd change it. Um, I just think Kevin Warren publicly uh, deserved a lot of criticism for, for basically saying nothing with a lot of words. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, we looked at each other a couple times during that. And it's like, and we finally said, it, he's not going to answer anything. And he didn't. He, I mean, I don't, 
I know he's better in one-on-one situations. If you read people's reporting from interviews with him, he does, you know, seem to have a plan or isn't afraid to say something, but these situations where most people are going to consume his words, that's not great, man. And let's zoom in on the vaccination. He said it's decentralized. COVID, COVID protocols have been decentralized until they meet later on before the season. Well, we're almost 30 days from the season. You've got to have a plan in place. I'm sure this will come together. And in a month, we're going to say, okay, this is a Big Ten's plan and move forward. But the first, you've had plenty of time to come up with something and you don't have that something and just really sidestepped everything. Uh, he appreciated every question. That was awfully nice to hear. <laughs> he planted some questions too, which was interesting. Yeah. And, and you know, they kind of came up before and somebody presented before like, Hey, Kevin has done a good job and this and that and kind of almost tried to like convince us. Yeah. Like when I read it, like, Hey, let's be nice to Kevin today. It's been a tough go of it. And it has. Like, I don't want to take away from the fact that it has been difficult to be a first-year commissioner when you walk in to, to what Kevin Warren walked into last year. I, I get that. And I think there's a way that you can say, look, this was hard. This was really, really hard. And we messed up. We, we, didn't, we didn't walk down the right path every time we had the opportunity. This is how we'll be better. None of that. There was just none of that. And it was yeah. so disheartening, man. It, it really was because we only really see him on the Big Ten Network. Yeah. Uh, that's the most FaceTime we get with Kevin Warren. And they push him a little bit, but he, in his first chance to really, really make a statement, I, I don't think he did. And, and to inside a little bit, they pushed his time up by about 15 minutes. So I thought, okay. You know, they're expecting some questions. He's ready to rock here. Let's get something. And I could not have been any more wrong. Yeah. Um, And I just, I don't get the communication strategy behind it all. Um, You know, like I know you can't say much about Texas and Oklahoma, but he, he evaded the question. Like they, you know, I'm interested to see what happens. Like you have to say, I mean, what you have to say, and I'm just a reporter, right? Like, we will do what is necessary to position the Big Ten moving forward uh, as the premier conference in, in college athletics, right? As a premier academic, athletic, well, however you want to word it, but just show some confidence up there. Like, hey, we got this. It didn't feel like that. <laughs> like it, just, it didn't feel that way. And then, you know, like NIL, he provided the, the one word where it's like, or the one phrase, federal legislation, which was fine. That's easy to do. But, but that's not new. No. That's not new. No, and it, it just, you know, Jim Delaney, and I know that's a tough act to follow, right? But, like, Jim Delaney, when he got up there, he did say stuff, right? He, he did lead. And you could just tell there was a lot of communication. Like, we went from Kevin Warren to talking with Josh Whitman, like, two hours later. And Josh had thoughts about the Austin case and how that's going to affect everything. And I know a lot of people haven't delved into the Austin case, but that's very important. Um, diving into COVID and in Illinois having, you know, almost all of its football team at this point sounds like vaccinated. Like, all of those things he had thoughts a message about them and we just didn't hear that from kevin warren so i was like just put barry alvarez up there because he had a, a getaway thing and he didn't have all the answers but man like i was listening to him I'm like okay that guy knows what's going on and knows what's at stake like kevin warren it felt like does he understand like what's happening right now because he didn't seem to be portraying it i'm not saying you're panicking but just show some leadership in an uncertain time 
or at least and Jimmy, we learned this pretty early. If you don't know, say it. Just say, hey, I don't know. This is a this is kind of a crazy time right now, and and I don't know. And would people have been mad about that? Sure, they would have, right? But to me, that's at least better than dancing left and dancing right, and then saying, you know, okay, and who's next? You know, front row on the left here. That doesn't help. So I. I get it, man. I think Kevin Warren is qualified for this. And I just I just don't know what happens at the podium. Like what why does why does what happens happen? Because it really shouldn't. Well, and it's that wouldn't matter as much if everything seemed smoothed over. Like I know he gave hugs to every coach that came up on stage. That was sweet. <laughs> but last year, obviously in his first time where they need a leadership, he didn't communicate. He didn't communicate. With, with the people and he doesn't have those relationships and that's where a guy like Jim Phillips would have really helped last year but like it's obvious he struggled during that time of making this decision pulling back and you know when it comes to you know last year's COVID issues and he was asked repeatedly several times do you have any regrets would you change anything he's he kind of went into this philosophical like what is regret and like all of this <laughs> stuff and it was like just say hey we made this deci- like this communication is one-on-one we made decisions in real time in an unprecedented time that we felt put the players health and safety at the forefront and in hindsight 2020 now we know myocarditis is not as big of a deal but at that time we couldn't say go ahead and play right so we decided to to be safe rather be safe than sorry okay like so would i have changed that knowing what we know now sure but we didn't have that at the time so just own it just say that and put it in perspective that people can hear and they'll be like all right that kind of makes a little sense you get thrown this on your desk and you know kids could die like okay yeah you're gonna stop for a second rethink things and maybe say yeah maybe my communication could have been a little bit better all that like i wish i would have you know communicated with the coaches and athletic directors daily about this like just say some of that own it and people are going to forgive you we're really forgiving society for the most part like they'll move on if you just own some of it and he he didn't do that either i I hate piling on him right now but that's the position, man. That's the position. I just haven't seen the necessary leadership out of it publicly yet. No, and I'll say, I mean, he was asked some tough questions, but I don't think he was really grilled in the right. five or six questions he got. And it, it's effectively what you say. It is a forgiving system. It's mostly just you get grilled after you explain yourself, and, and we need more explanation, right? Like this was just like a cursory, could you please let us know what you were thinking? And that didn't happen, and and then you're out of time. And I know some national outlets talked to him one on one, and there was a little more that came out of those. But it just sleeps a lot to be desired in a time when at- college athletics are so under the microscope, and there's so much changing. You cannot leave a lot to be desired. And like you said, it doesn't help with to be to follow up Jim Delaney. It doesn't. I mean, that's that's tough. That's going to be tough for anyone. And and maybe in three years, Kevin Warren figures this out or by three years from now, he figures this out and he, he's able to explain it. You can't fake the credentials he has, right? Like you just can't, but you can sure as heck use him a lot better than what he's been using. And it's, yeah. it was a really cringy press conference, to be honest with you, because at some point after the first or second question, it's like, oh, this is just going to be the whole thing. Like he's not just kind of like, slowly getting up to speed here he's not even going to be in the race he's just going to say 
nothing for for 35 minutes. And I understand like sometimes it's always like, don't make a headline. Just say nothing. Don't make a headline. Like politicians do that all the time. Um, but th- whatever you say is going to be a headline. Cause this is the one time a year you speak publicly and take questions from anybody at the big 10 media days. And he was only taking questions for 15 minutes. Cause he talked for 30 minutes of a statement uh, <laughs> about something. He's really just providing three press releases. Yes. I mean, his opening statement was basically providing press and now they were, they were important press releases, right? I mean, the, the things he has was like, you can just send us in an email and we'll, I promise you we'll, you know, we'll catch up later. Yeah. That, that's what half of his opening statement was. Yeah. It's kind of like Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker had like a twelve-minute opening statement just about everything. He's I thought still- he was gonna. I thought he was gonna filibuster it, man. Yeah, take one question and be done with it. All right, Joey, we not, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk about Kofi Coburn returning to Illinois. And uh, uh, remember, uh, somebody who's close uh, to the Illinois football program as well. That's coming up next on the Online Enquirer podcast. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast introducing the two-way v4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance with fuel cell each step feels explosive delivering unparalleled energy return paired with fresh foam experience maximum comfort throughout the game its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com all right, Joe, I want you uh, to be able to share the story because it was um, I, I was feeling for you, man, because we, we wanted to tell Bobby Roundtree's story. And you and I had talked like I, I don't want people to just forget, um, you know, hey, Bobby Roundtree came back to campus. No, he's great. Everything's great. Uh, he, t- he tweets out some videos that are really cool to see. And, and he's got a great attitude. Like, no, his day to day, man, is a lot different. And just because you don't see everything that happens day to day, his his life is still being impacted every day by what happened uh, two years ago. So we, you had set up with Bobby. Um, we were going to send you down there and, and, and to meet with Bobby. And I'll, I'll let you take it from there, man, because uh, I still remember your phone call and I um, you know, almost ran away from a restaurant without paying a bill when you called me. So it's, uh, it was really tough. Yeah. And I think uh, like you said, we didn't want to forget Bobby's story. And I think it, it was 
awesome to see those videos, right? Because you're like, man, Bobby is just fine. But I think what I wanted to learn was exactly what you said. It's like those videos are even more special if you understand what happens in the other 23 hours, 59 minutes and 30 seconds of his day. You know, like that, all of that made, I was just hoping to understand why those, I mean, those videos were special, but hoping to see that from a different lens and to understand everything that goes into that happening. So when I'd set it up, he was excited. I was excited. We had talked Thursday and I said, Hey, I'm on an airplane, man. I'll be there in a couple hours. Give me the address, what time I uh, set that all up with me. He, he sounded genuinely excited to tell his story. I get to the, got some dinner when I got in, went over there the next day. And I said, Hey, I'm here to meet with Bobby. And they said, he's, he's not coming in today. And I said, no, I talked to him yesterday. I mean, I'm sure he is. I, I don't know if there's, you know, misunderstanding. I said, no, his, you know, we got a call this morning. There was some emergency. We don't really know what's going on. So your first thought is like, okay, you know, you didn't know if it was emergency with him, with someone around him. I mean, there's such a broad term. So I said, okay, uh, let, let me, I, I texted the number that I had and then I called you. I'm like, I, I don't know that I'm, you know, I don't know what's going on here. You hope everyone in his immediate circle is okay. Uh, but you're also, but said, you're also thinking selfishly. It's like, Hey, I, I just flew down here to do this story. And am I going to be able to do this now? Right. Um, so like, you know, if, if it was just a bad day or somebody, you know, um, something at home came up, we don't know. So like, we didn't know what was kind of going on. No. So I said, listen, man, I, let me get back to the hotel and kind of recalibrate a little bit. See if I hear from him, see if I hear from anybody. And I, I think I had messaged you probably about a half hour after, and you just had that feeling, right? Like something's not, yeah. something's not right here. And it, it reminded me a lot about, or a lot of rather, the day the initial accident happened, where you would see a couple, couple teammates tweet an emoji here, you know, a broken heart there, and you're like, something's up. And you know, we, we had, you know, somebody reached out earlier about his accident you know, to you and I, and I think a couple other people on the beat. And so when you start seeing these, it's like, holy crap, this is that was a real message we got, and you know, we can't confirm, but certainly the, the pieces are are kind of there that, that this happened and. That really started to be the case again on social media. I, said, I told you, I, said, Man, I don't feel good about this. Something's not right here. Um, and then I, I don't know which, forgive me for not knowing which account tweeted it out that he had passed. And it's like a wave, man, because you saw this guy for two years go from, you know, it just made so much strides. His arms, his try things were, he was just, kicking down barriers every one he faced because that's what he does and man that was a lot to process it it was just an awful lot to process because you think of his family and all that they have been through and you think of his teammates and and how much they just kind of gravitated to him before and after the accident it it all he mattered so much to them and and then after a while it it got confirmed and and i had called somebody who was close to him and and, you know got it confirmed and and the university and it's like what do you do Uh, i i don't i didn't know what to do i mean from from a personal standpoint just for for you personally i mean you're there like that's it, it you know just personally for you it's like i'm here right now as this goes down, like I was supposed to meet with him today. Like I was just like, man, are you okay? Like I wanted to make sure. 
you were doing all right because that's that's crazy that you're as, as many emotions you have for Bobby. Like I was thinking about you too, my writer. Like, man, I hope I hope you're all right. Yeah, it was a lot to process. It you talked to him the day before, right? I mean, it was texted and seemed he seemed excited. When, when you have a subject of a story who's excited to talk, you get excited, and if you put a little pressure, like I'm here, you got to make sure you're doing this right, and and so you're trying to process all that, and then. I'll tell you, I, I, Brett Barron's from WCIA had texted me and he's like, dude, about the same thing. Like, what is going on? So we ended up connecting on the phone. He was in Alaska on vacation and he said, man, you're there. You're able to tell this story. And to be honest, I'm telling my boss this. I, I didn't think about that at first. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just like, I, where do I go from here? And, and Brett being Brett is a professional. And he, I, I was like, he's right. He's right. You got to figure out some way to tell this story. Uh, and, and the people at Stay and Step Rehabilitation who worked with him since the beginning of the calendar year in January were kind enough to say, hey, we close in a half hour or 15 minutes or whatever the case may be. And I said, look, I'll get there if you're willing to talk. And they stayed around for another half hour and, and talked. And I was really happy they did because I think they saw side of Bobby that none of us saw. And it wasn't a, a, you know, a real, I'm not saying that in the sense of like the side we saw was, was fake because it wasn't at all, but they saw every day how much he impacted everybody else in that building. And, and that stuff that we didn't see, Bobby didn't tweet a picture of, Hey, look at my friend. I made talk today or, or, you know, really brought a, a part of the circle. That's just not what happened. So it was nice to, to hear like, okay, everything, every personality trait that he had when we covered him for two years and that we have heard around the building in Illinois, it's all happening still in Florida. And that, that it meant a lot to hear that, honestly, because it, it we just didn't, those aren't people that we had heard from very often. And, and I, I really can't thank them enough for taking some time and talking. And I'll tell you, I called them. And I, I, before that I said, Hey, I was here earlier. I had assumed they'd known. I said, I just want to tell you thanks for, you know, at least welcoming me in. I know that's kind of a hurdle to get over to bring in a reporter to a rehabilitation right. center. And they said, we haven't heard an update. And I said, um, you know, unfortunately, I filled them in. And you know, they really processed this in about an hour and a half and, and welcomed, you know, back to, to have a conversation, which was, that was huge. And, and they could have easily said, it's Friday. It's a lot to process. And I'm so sorry we're leaving. But it was, it was a tough couple days man i mean there's, there's so much you gotta from a professional standpoint we do still have a job to do and you've got to figure out how to best do that job for a cross-country trip and then from a personal standpoint you want to approach the situation with the right amount of delicacy and not push and you know insert yourself into a story that isn't your story right. while making people uncomfortable and it was i've never done that man it was a tough balance to try to find and and really the, the staff there was incredible in, in helping me find that balance. Yeah, you told that story unbelievably well. Was, I've told it to you personally, but I'm, I'm so proud of that story and how you handle yourself there. Um, as, for, as for Bobby, um, man, like I remember that recruiting win. It was so big for them, so big for Andrea Stoker and, and Mike Fair and, and especially Lovey Smith that invested so much time into him. And you know, I've been able to catch up with a couple people uh, close to him since then. I'm going to continue to do that because uh, we want to continue to tell his story. Um, and I've heard Lovey has been so supportive uh, of of the family in recent days, and and that they're 
you know, memorial service lovey had a big role in. Um, and, and I don't have quite the details to tell everything about that, but like he meant a lot to Bobby meant a lot to Lovey Smith and Lovey kept saying when he was player, he's everything you want. He's, he's talented, obviously he's got some Julius Peppers kind of things to him, but, um, that his work ethic and his leadership and his, um, you know, attitude was contagious. And that's exactly everything you want in a player. And I gotta be honest with you, part of the reason I wanted to do the story or like, I was like, man, we got to do another Bobby story. We got, we got to go see him. We got to go see what his day is like is, is the NFL draft. When I saw Kendrick green and Nate Hobbs get drafted, I thought this was supposed to be Bobby's day. And it might've been a year prior, right? Because Bobby was the best player on that team uh, after his sophomore year, he was their best player and he was one of their leaders. And th- that shook me when I got the, the message that Bobby had the accident and reporting on that shook me. And then, you know, you see him slowly, but surely you start getting glimpses of Bobby and then you see him come down to campus. And it, it was an eye opener, I think, for a lot of fans of just how much Bobby had changed. Uh, and it was scary a little bit, but it was also see, great to see him be able to be out there and put himself out there. And then you started to see him gain confidence. I'd heard, you know, his body was starting to react a little bit better. It was going to be a long road for him to walk. And I don't know if he ever was going to do it, but boy, he was set on it. And, you know, he came back to campus and he was on campus and then COVID hits. Right. And, you know, he's not able to see a lot of his teammates, former teammates, and a lot of Illini players couldn't go over and see him because of COVID protocols and all of that. And, you know, that, that's part of the reason he went home to, to Florida uh, and, and to start all of this. And, man, I, I can't imagine all the dark days you go through when you were that close to changing your family's lives. And Bobby didn't come from anything, right? Uh, and the fact that he became that hard worker with that talent and seemed on the precipice, it's, it was a sad story, but he was making it an inspiring one. Right. Like he wanted to inspire people. He wanted to be uh, a, a speaker. Like he wanted to, you know, provide inspiration for people. And, you know, he wanted to tell his story. And that's why I was so excited that he wanted to tell it. And I'm just, I'm just sad that this is the way the story went because it felt like even though life had thrown them this terrible curveball, he was going to try and make the most out of it and, and help people as much as possible. So, um, Man, I just it, it, I feel for his family, I feel for his teammates, I feel for the fans, all of that. But mostly, I just I, I feel for him um, because he had a, a world of potential. And man, life isn't fair. Um, but uh, hopefully, and I, it, Josh Whitman, you asked him the question, but you know, Josh Whitman couldn't have been better in what he said and his message about Bobby. And they will honor him, whether it's I don't think they'll retire his jersey, but I think they might honor his jersey if if, if someone gets it every year on the D line, or they'll find some way. Um, but I, I hope people know the full story and we'll continue to try and say that it was, it wasn't all great right? A- after this accident, after he got back to campus and in, in these videos, uh, but man, like he, he seemed to have as positive of an attitude as possible, uh, through it all to kind of work his way through it and, you know, earn your weekend, all that stuff. Like, man, it just, it sucks. It sucks. No, I, I know recently a lot of people have been frustrated with lovey, a uh, fan that is. There was not a better – I thought Lovey – Lovey cared about his guys, man. There, there's no doubt. And I thought the best way he showed that I – mean, he showed that, I'm sure, a lot behind the scenes. that we He, he cared, but he wasn't going to advertise to us, like, hey, look what I did here or there. Right. But he did do a lot of things. And he stayed with Bobby in that hotel room in Florida after the accident. And, and that is – it's unbelievable. It, it, 
there's there's not enough credit to give to Lovey for doing that, and that shows how much he cared and, and he was you know he was involved in, in keeping conversation. I thought a lot about Lovey that day because of exactly what you talked about with I mean this relationship with Bobby went back a long time for Lovey Smith, and he cared. Even if before the accident, if you you know pulled Lovey aside and you were just talking and he spoke glowingly of Bobby. This wasn't just a when the recorders are on type of thing. Lovey's you know Lovey's going to say things. This was every bit as genuine and authentic as any buddy has with anyone else. Uh, so I, I thought a lot about about Lovey and I, and I was glad to to hear he was you know still in contact with the family and, and making, you know, I know, you know, it sounds like he went to the memorial service for Bobby and that it's just, it's a heartbreaking way for this, this story to end because it, they shouldn't, it shouldn't have ended this way. And I can tell you, <laughs> Lovey was a, an inspiration to Bobby because um, Lovey came from nothing in big Sandy, Texas and an African-American man turned himself into a millionaire via the NFL. That was that was what he was telling Bobby. You can do this too. And I can help you get there. And he was close to being there. Right. Um, so I feel comfortable saying, cause Lovey, you know, that's, that was one of his messages to him throughout the recruiting process. And Lovey was the reason Bobby Roundtree chose Illinois. So yeah, that relationship was, was really, really special. I think Lovey Smith treated him like a son. And, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, he didn't advertise that he stayed in that hospital room. Right. We got that. Josh from Whitman did. Yeah, Josh Whitman did. And I think Josh wanted to let everybody know uh, just, you know, that the man that he had as his head coach. So I thought that was that was cool. All right. There's no good way to transition. So let's take a quick break and uh, we will talk about Illinois basketball uh, with Kofi Coburn coming back. We'll talk about that next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. OK, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Joey, we haven't gotten your thoughts on Kofi Coburn coming back. Pretty good little offseason here for Illinois, despite everything that happened. Man, I wrote this, and what an offseason, right? I mean, like, it went from, like, is this a bubble team? What is, you know, what what does this team look like? Who in the world is going to be an assistant coach on this team? What what does, goodness gracious, and then all of a sudden, Brad Underwood and his coaching staff drives this thing right back to where where it ended last year for the most part. I mean, you lose Io, there's no... No easy to, way to replace him, and you put the cherry on top with Kofi, man, and he elevates the floor and the ceiling, right? I mean, I don't think anyone looks at Illinois preseason as like, yeah, I can see them anywhere between three and six in the Big Ten. It's like I can see them between one and let's conservatively say four, right, in the Big Ten. And it's it was such a weird situation to re-recruit an All-American. Uh, who had been 100% in on the NBA draft and then not. And then in the portal, it's like every every day something changed, be it a little bit, be it a lot of bit. And they ended up back in in the best possible spot they could have ended up, to be honest with you. I mean, the only thing better is if you don't lose Adam Miller to the transfer portal, I think. Yeah, and you maybe Uh, add Dawson Garcia or something like that, right? 
Right, yeah, but to get Kofi back, and he seemed, and talking to him, I was really curious how he was going to answer. So I, I think I knew the tone he was going to take, right? I mean, it, there's not really many tones to take if you're Kofi and, and you're meeting the media after coming back, and, and we all know kind of the road here, but I thought his answer seemed really genuine. I, I think when he talked, and you understand his backstory a little bit that he didn't play basketball. He came from Jamaica and all of a sudden now this sport and by default, a little bit Illinois. I mean, he was going to be a star really wherever he went in college. I don't want to say Illinois made him this out of the other certainly helped him evolve in some of his games. Suddenly he like can't go anywhere without being like, Hey, Kofi, Hey, Kofi. Oh, welcome back. That's incredible. That is incredible, man. Six years ago, seven years ago, that was not his experience. Mm-hmm. And now because of this, and he's back at a place that is going to treat him like that, right? I mean, he walked into the basketball tournament on Saturday in Peoria. You would have thought it was a rock show. Like there's a game going on and nobody was watching the game. They just watched their, their seven-foot preseason Big Ten player of the year walk in. And, and that – again, anywhere if he would have elected to transfer, he was going to be a big deal wherever he landed. But now you really feel it, I think. You see it on social media. You feel it in being around. It's like, dude, you are like a rock star in this state. He needs to learn that you got to charge for those pictures and autographs now. (laughs) He can can totally do that. Um, No, I mean, I I agree with you. I mean, I'd I'd say I'm more conservative with this stuff. Like, I think they're a top 10 team. I think I would, I'm between picking them one and two. I think five is the floor in the Big Ten, right? I think top 25 throughout the year Um, because maybe something doesn't go right. Maybe it takes time for this team to gel with all the new pieces, Uh, but they do return a lot, right? I mean, Adam Miller is gone, but you replaced him with Alfonso Plummer, who's an even better three-point shooter, uh, not as good defensively, obviously. Omar Payne is your backup five right now, who might play a little four if, if he can shoot like Brad Underwood says he can, though we haven't seen it on a, on a court yet. Uh, and then Coleman Hawkins, a year older. Obviously, Andre Curbelo, a year older. Trent Frazier and Demonte Williams are back. The mystery man that is Austin Hutcherson is, is healthy right now. Jacob Grandison is there. That's a deep team. That's a deep team with a lot of options. You can play a lot of different ways. But at the end of the day, you have the best center. You could say along with Drew Timmy. I'd love to see that matchup. But you have the best center in the Big Ten, one of the top two centers in the country with Drew Timmy, and just a guy who completely changes the game. Sure, he's got some flaws, and if you're as good as Loyola at it, you can exploit it, but not many teams could in the Big Ten, and they had the book on him. So I agree. The floor is immensely, immensely higher, and then the ceiling is going to depend on how all those other players kind of come about, but with your floor being higher, your ceiling's certainly higher than it was uh, before he came back. It's just all of a sudden you are elite at the rim, right? Like you are going to be bad on the glass and probably struggle at the rim. Like Payne's a good shot blocker. Um, he's a pretty good finisher around the hoop. He's not quite Kofi Coburn, and he's certainly not Kofi Coburn as a rebounder. So as a rebounding team in the Big Ten, that's so important, and and Kofi just completely makes you one of the best, uh, along with Purdue and and some of those other top programs. And Michigan will be up there with Hunter Dickinson back. But now, like, 
Michigan's got to worry about matching up with you, not the other way around. Purdue's got to worry about matching up with you, not the other way around. Not to mention all those Big Ten teams without a real center, right? And then you can throw Omar Payne in as your backup instead of Georgie Bishashvili. Like, Georgie's doing well in NBA workouts, but, you know, Omar Payne defensively is just is, is way different uh, and, and has a way higher ceiling given the talent level. Uh, that he has. So it's just a game. It's a game changer and a program changer that now Illinois is going to have three straight years of a top 10 finish in the big 10, right? Three straight years where you're in the discussion for a top five seed in the NCAA tournament. And you can dream bigger than that, right? Like Illinois can dream final four. They can dream big 10 championship, but just another year where you're at that level, man, that that's a, that's a game changer for recruiting. And Illinois is taking advantage of that already, right? With, with Jade Nepps and, and Sincere Harris with Chester Frazier. And now we'll see what else they can add to this with, with all the other targets. Derek's been reporting on where it's Jaden Shute or Braden Huff or Cam Corrin. Like, you are way more enticing to those guys and the long term given the success uh, you are having and will continue to have this year. And then we've talked about Kofi legacy-wise, man. I, I call Lauren Tate up just to make sure I wasn't wrong. I'm like, best big man ever, right? Like, who else is in the conversation? He said, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, Johnny Red Kerr had a great last year, and, you know, there's other good centers that have come through Illinois, uh, but no one really in the modern history uh, has been as good as him, unless you're putting Brian Cook as a center, which most people wouldn't. Like, he's just going to be known as one of the best players ever at Illinois. You know, a couple things. One, I do wonder which Big Ten coach and player had the worst reaction behind closed doors to Kofi coming back. Like, that cannot be – a fun thing to see if you're in a book. Indiana? Yeah, maybe. They're, they probably are not thrilled. To Iowa? See. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially now without Luca, now you've just got some guy you've made really mad for two years without anyone to get in his way. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Like I'm, I'm just thinking, I want to remind people, like the Big Ten is going to be weaker this year right like the top is still pretty dang good michigan recruiting as well as anybody in the country right now ohio state purdue i'm really high on purdue ohio state's gonna be really good and they're recruiting at a high level michigan state should bounce back i think maryland will be good but iowa got a lot worse right minnesota is gonna be awful nebraska is not they're getting better and i think fred hoiberg's starting to recruit at a pretty high level now but they still aren't ready to compete in the top half northwestern should be better because everyone's back, but not, that's not necessarily good. Penn State got worse. Rutgers could be in the NCAA tournament again, which is great for them, but Miles Johnson was a significant loss for them, uh, even though they get Harper back and Omarui could be good. Geo Baker, I've always thought is overrated, but he's a good player. Wisconsin got a heck of a lot worse. Indiana might have gotten better, but how much better? You know, like Illinois takes a takes a huge leap when all these other programs are kind of a lot of these other programs are kind of resetting here. You know, I thought, I think you nailed it too with recruiting Jeremy is like before Kofi, like imagine this team without Kofi. I know people did that forever and they don't want to have to think about doing that anymore. But like, I think Illinois would have been fine. Like they would have been good. They would have been tournament team. Right. I think it's fair to say without Kofi, they're probably a tournament team. But, like, they might be a team that maybe starts getting that national exposure, those primetime games, like, later in the season as teams realize that, or, you know, networks, I suppose, reporters, national reporters realize, like, hey, Andre Corbello, he's pretty gravitational. Like, we, we want to put him on TV. We want to get him in stories. And, and then you go from there. 
they're starting out that way. This like this is going to be from the shoe. Like people are going to be nationally interested in this team now. Whether that looks like more broadcasts on the ESPN platform or you know whatever that looks like from a TV rights deal, but also you're just gonna. I mean, my first couple of years on the beat, it's like a national reporter came in. It's like, ah, Michigan State's here today. That's why they're here. Right now, it's like, you're not, you know, you look at someone like The Athletic, like ESPN, you know, even on our board, it's like, hey, check out this story. And it's and you see it maybe every, you know, what couple months, you know, six weeks, eight weeks. I would imagine it's going to be more than that. And it's going to be power rankings. You're going to see Illinois' name. That helps, man. That helps when you can tell a recruit we're on ESPN this many nights a week and, you know, look at all these stories and all this attention we're generating that helps on the recruiting trail. And and it sounds silly, but name image likeness, you want that. You want as many eyeballs as you can have on you. And Kofi helps that Kofi's presence back in Champaign helps all of that. And it it should have a trickle down effect. How much? I don't know. I mean, you still got to sell winning. You still got to sell, NBA development, playing time, all of that stuff doesn't change. But having Illinois as a topic of conversation more often and in larger circles, that only helps things. Yeah, and this team's going to have to evolve, right? Because there's newness to them. They're going to have to figure out their roles without IO. You don't have this guy who can just bail you out anymore. <laughs> like, um, But I do think it's a really intriguing roster and one that I look at their non-conference schedule that's for sure, right? Like Marquette, Cincinnati, Arkansas, or Kansas State, Notre Dame, and Missouri. And I go, they should probably win. They should be favored in all those games, right? Like I thought the non-conference could have been really tough with Kofi mm-hmm. Coburn going. And then you get into a Big Ten that's really tough, and you're just going to get bully-balled, I thought, because you just don't have Kofi Coburn. You don't have anybody like him when other Big Ten programs like Purdue and Michigan do. Um, so I just think, yeah, now – you look at that non-conference, it doesn't scare you. The, the, the rest of the Big Ten doesn't scare you. Um, this is a team that I think should be 20-plus wins for a third straight season, shooting for 23 or 24 again, and uh, towards the top of the Big Ten, towards the top of the country, at least ranked throughout the season. Um, one guy, man. And, and that's, you know, you get you get Io back, like that would have been massive, right? He's one of the best players of all time here, but Kofi Coburn just makes such a huge impact uh, on the team. And I think along with Io, he's made as, as big of an impact as, as anybody in, in recent memory. Yeah, and again, I, I think a lot of this would have happened at some point next season, not to the degree I expect it to happen, but they would have been okay enough to, to get a lot. I mean, I'm not saying like, Without Kofi, this isn't, but it, it does. It changes so much on so many different levels. And I think you asked Brad this, Jeremy. We had talked about it. Who could have reasonably imagined to that Jordan story when Io committed that you would get three years of him and then get three years of a top 50 center out of the, I think he was in the top 50 of his recruiting who, class. Who wasn't all American, right? Like that's yeah. the thing is, Io's all Big Ten didn't leave after two years. That doesn't happen that often. Kofi's an all-American center at seven foot, and he stayed for another year. Like, him and Drew Timmy are those rarities where they're quite not great enough for the NBA, uh, but great college players. That's like, man, you get three years of those guys. That's an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable advantage. And, and with those two, like you said, not, not exactly NBA fits as we would think, but I, and I think you asked Kofi this, 
you could be a career college player and make some pretty nice coin and then try your hand at the NBA. You know, if you're not getting the feed, if Kobe doesn't get the feedback next year, I'm not saying like, Hey, look out a couple more years of this guy, but if he doesn't get the feedback and he's got a year of NIL numbers under his belt to know what he could make, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but you could see as this thing moves forward and numbers start to be a little more secure. Like, Hey, financially it makes sense to to stay around a little bit now that probably doesn't always look like four years maybe it's two maybe it's three but it might be one more than what you thought it was going to be without and it's a pretty good situation for them and it, it doesn't happen much before and i don't know how much it'll happen maybe it won't because the nba is still the nba yeah. and people want to play there you dream of doing that uh but it, but it does open some maybe interesting thought processes in these as after the season and these offseason discussions yeah. And I just think, I just think it puts everybody in position to succeed. Like Coleman Hawkins now playing the four, like that is, that is the best spot for him. And, and sure playing time is not going to be as much for him, but like he's in a better position to succeed. Like Omar Payne, probably not the happiest Kofi's coming back, but you know, he's going to be part of a really good team. And at some point he's going to take over and maybe have more opportunities to showcase his jump shot, which if he hits that, you know, along with Kofi, like that's going to showcase him a little bit more, but I think Andre Curbelo, man, like what a boon for him, not just as a player, but I've mentioned it before. NIL, like, is there a better duo? Is there a better duo right now for NIL at this school with this program? Like, I think Curbelo can make a lot more money now with Kofi by his side. And um, it's, yeah, I think that's going to be fantastic. Like, out of everybody in college basketball, feels like outside of some of these guys that just have more Instagram followers or, you know, masterpiece son, like some of these like random ones, but in terms of like a quality player, like it feels like Kofi can take advantage of this if he plays his cards right as well as anybody. Yeah. Gonzaga might have a duo that could, that could really go up against uh, Kofi and Curbelo. But yeah, that's from a basketball standpoint, how could you be happier than Andre Curbelo? All you have to do for somebody who is, a generational passer to begin with, all you have to do is just put it literally somewhere, somewhere near or around the rim. And one of those two big gentlemen will grab that ball and throw it in the hoop as hard as they possibly can. It's a pretty good win for mm-hmm. Roderick or Bellow, man. And, and Omar Payne's going to practice against Kofi, right? I mean, that's not going to hurt anybody. And, and like you said, I think the jump shot's an interesting element. You know, if, he, if he's in a position to show that a little bit, Hey, good. You know, NBA teams do enjoy players who can shoot the basketball. That's clear. Joey, are you team Austin Hutcherson all Big Ten or are you team Austin Hutcherson bench player? God. Because uh, <laughs> there's nowhere in between right now. I can't go anywhere in between, huh? <laughs> That's where you and I probably are because we're rational. Yeah, it's like, hey, he's a really intriguing guy. He's a really six six. Obviously, athletic, forty-two inch vertical. We hear and jump shooter, and I see the YouTube highlights or you know his Twitter highlight, and it looks good. Like it's like, man, that the idea of that guy sounds awesome. Just need to see it on the court, and if I see it a couple times on the court, bought in, man. But I just got to see it on the court, and hopefully he's healthy enough to do it. Like this is no shot at Austin, right? No, it's just yeah. the fans who think definitely all Big Ten, definitely starting every game. It's like maybe. Maybe if he stays healthy and as good as you know some people think he is, or he could be a really nice piece off the bench with Alfonso Plummer and Omar Payne and Coleman Hawkins, where he got maybe one of the best benches in the country. But uh, yeah, he's an intriguing piece they don't have. I'm excited to see him. I'm excited for him to be on the court. Hopefully he stays healthy all the way. But the conversation's always fun with him. 
here's what I keep coming back to. It's like, we all know his story, right? D3 player, the injuries. I don't, and Brad, Brad Underwood is a smart guy. How much would it benefit him if you truly don't know, right? Like, how much does it benefit him to hype him up so much if he had any doubts? Right. Like, and I know he's always been that person to like step up and really, really promote his guys. Some not quite have worked out. Um, Matisse Basile, best passer he's ever seen. Yeah, that, that uh, one Smith, I can safely say did not work. <laughs> um, but but knowing kind of what Hutcherson has been through and, and the D three thing, it does not benefit him. To benefit Brad to, to say what he says. Like you open yourself up for way more than if you just said, "Hey, you know, he's we're, we're encouraged with how he looks and and camp as he's come back from from what's really been a tough hand." That would be, but he has not really done that. And you know, if you talk to people around there, it's it just doesn't benefit them. I don't think to to try to really push this on this team. Yeah. Right. Like if this are two years ago and you need somebody to be excited about in the offseason, maybe it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense to push unless you really believe it. So I lean a little bit more towards like the could be a a pretty significant X factor, a pretty good player for this team than the other of like, oh, my God, what, in the, you know, how do you expect anything? I don't lean that way. I could be wrong. I mean, you know, people have been wrong before. It just doesn't. It doesn't add up to really push this narrative so far if you have any small doubt. Yeah, I just think yeah. he is an intriguing piece they don't have. If healthy, he's going to help them. I think he can be a significant contributor to the team. I just don't know what the the range the range of possibilities with him are just so big. Because, you know, at, at one point you look at him, you go, that's kind of what an NBA wing looks like. And then the other point is, I haven't seen him on a court against a Division One player, even though we hear great things about what he did with Io, right? Like, so hear great things. Now we got to see it, and and I hope for him that we we do see it soon. So I said to get that hot button issue uh, out there. But Joey Wagner, appreciate the time, man. Thanks, man. Great stuff as always from Joey Wagner. Follow him on Twitter at Mr. Wagner 25. Dove into a lot of different topics there. Hope you enjoyed that. And if you do, continue to subscribe. Or if you haven't yet, follow our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate that. It uploads automatically uh, whenever you get your podcast. And uh, give us a rating and review. That always helps us out as well. And stay tuned to Alana Inquire for all the latest information. We are going through our position primers. Joey Wagner had the wide receivers today. He had the running backs a couple days ago. I had quarterbacks. And I just uh, did a big breakdown of the tight ends. And, you know, Brett Bielema's history, just breaking that down. Some of the stats came up with. Uh, and, and what is an exciting group and a much bigger group of tight ends. They're going to play a much bigger role in this offense. And I thought that was going to be the way last year with Daniel Matt Torbebe, Luke Ford, and Daniel Barker. But outside of Barker, you didn't get to see much of those other guys. I don't think that'll be the case this year with uh, with Luke Ford especially and a couple transfers they've had and a couple walk-ons that uh, Brett Bielma is high on as well. So stay tuned for that. And, of course, I know you need your Illini basketball recruiting fix. Uh, Derek Piper has the latest update on Jaden Shute, who he thinks is the top prospect in the state. We'll get Derek on later on this week uh, to talk a little bit about that. Uh, but also Braden Huff, he told me he's got an update on. Khalil Ware, who's a top big man uh, in the class. He's got more coming up on that. And he will have, later in the week, his 
top rankings of in-state prospects in the class of 2022 as well. So it's only $1 to go VIP for your first month of VIP access to Illini Inquirer. So if you don't have VIP access already, check us out. Give us a chance. I think you'll really, really like it, especially this time of year with basketball recruiting and training camp right around the corner. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.